We all love a good rest, don't we? It's something that we look forward to and plan for. That holiday, that weekend away, a break from work, uni, study more generally, maybe children, um, time with people we love, or just some time to yourself. But why do our attempts to find rest fall short of our expectations? We make these plans, and yet at the end of our break, we don't feel rested. We feel like we need just a few more days or weeks, or need a second holiday to get over our first holiday. We've been going through uh, a summer series the last couple of weeks in which we've been looking at the Psalms. Uh, We've looked at water and food, and today we've come to rest. But as we open up the Psalms, we're not simply thinking about these words. Our hope is to see what God is teaching us, to let Him shape and reshape our agenda. In the Psalms, we have an opening into a person's life about 3,000 years ago. Their struggles, their hopes, their experiences and their expectations... But it's very clear that while a human author put quill and ink to parchment, God was also at work inspiring them with the words to write. In the Psalms, we see the psalmist's story. In this case, it's King David's story. But we also see Jesus' story. And by studying both, we can see how this impacts our own story. So we just heard Psalm 62 read out, and please keep that open in front of you. There will also be uh, on the slides as well. And this morning I want to look at three aspects of King David's story. Number one, his situation. Number two, his strategy. And number three, his security. So David's situation. Start with me from verse one. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. So the first thing we learn about David's situation is that he says he finds rest in God. But note with me a few things. Firstly, this word rest, what is it? Well, the New Testament speaks of heaven as being an eternal rest that we look forward to. But what about here? Generally, we might think of rest as relaxing, but this isn't quite it. Some of us feel rested after going for a run. I know, that's crazy, isn't it? Others feel rested after reading a book. Some feel rested by being with people, others by getting away from people. No, the meaning of the word used in this verse is actually silence. The literal interpretation of this verse is Only towards God, my soul is silence. You know when you're stressed or anxious about something, your thoughts run a million miles an hour, and in your mind you're shouting, what if I can't do this, or or, or, what if this happens, or I need to get over there by that? When we aren't rested, our souls chatter to us. When we are rested, our soul is quiet, still, calm. Well, the second thing to note 
is that David says that he finds rest. He doesn't say that he tries to find rest. He says that he finds rest. I mean, this is fantastic, isn't it? We all want rest. We search for it. But how often do we find it? David says that he finds rest. But where does he find it? Well, David says he he finds rest in God. But there's an important word there. It's alone. Whereas some versions have it only. Why is this important? Well, David doesn't say that he finds rest in God and knowing he has a good job. Or he finds rest in God and the fact that he has a perfect spouse. Or he finds rest in God in the latest chariot. No, David says he finds rest in God alone. Not God plus something, just God. Well, maybe as King David had all he wanted. He was rich and powerful. It's all well and good for him to say that he finds rest. He has all the perks that come with being a king. Well, if we go on to see a little bit more of David's situation, look, at me, look with me at verse 3. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Well, it doesn't sound like it's all sunshine and lollipops for David. He speaks of how he's being assaulted by a number of people who want to throw him down from his position as king. They take delight in lies. They're those kind of two-faced people who say one thing in private but really intend something quite different. Sorry, they say one thing to your face but really intend something quite different in private. So reflecting on David's situation, he finds rest. He finds rest in God but he finds rest in God alone. And it's not because of being in a cruisy situation. seems he finds rest in God despite his situation rather than because of it. He has people coming after him. He has people flattering him with words of praise while in their hearts wanting to tear him down. This is David's situation. What is your situation? What are you facing in the moment? You facing conflict, stress, hardship, maybe at home or, or work, with a friend or a family member. How are you responding? What's your strategy? We all have a strategy. Doing nothing is a strategy. We all have a strategy. The question is whether it's the right strategy. King David's strategy in his situation was to counsel himself, to do some self-talk. Let's read from from verse 5. He says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. King David, facing a potentially, potentially a very stressful situation, counsels himself to find rest in God. He speaks the truth to himself. 
He counsels himself on what he knows to be true, even though, because of his situation, he would have every reason not to feel rest in God. Here again, we must see that it is in God alone that he trusts. Should all else leave him, should all else prove a failure, David hangs upon the bare arms of God alone. He tells himself to find rest in God alone. In God alone is David's hope. Should all else fail him, in God he hopes. How do we normally talk to ourselves in the hard times? Is what we say true? Is it helpful? Reading from verse 6 and echoing much of the language in verse 2, David says, He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. David paints a picture of a battle where God is his fortress and a refuge. God is his fortress in which he takes shelter. God is his firm foundation, his security, his safety. Though he has no other deliverer, he holds on to the protection and the comfort that is found in God alone. And as he reflects on it, he is assured that he will not be shaken. Well, the King James Version actually says that I shall not be moved. And imagine with me a ship anchored on a stormy ocean that though it may be tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves, the solid anchor ensures that it cannot be moved. Though tossed to and fro, King David can say with confidence, I shall not be moved. We saw the first aspect of of King David's strategy was to counsel himself. Well, the second aspect is to counsel his people, God's people. From verse 8, we read, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. King David, the teacher, exhorts his people to put their trust in God. Just as he has been doing while facing hardship himself, he pleads with them, trust him in all times, and for them to pour their hearts out to him. A wonderful English preacher called Charles Spurgeon, who pastored a church in London about 150 years ago, he said of this verse, Take your heart and turn it upside down and pour out all that is in it. Do not save a drop. Try not to hide one secret sorrow from your God, nor one slight grief that nestles in the corner of your spirit. Pour out your heart before him. Well, now we come to the last aspect of King David's story, his security. The key thread winding its way through David's story so far has been how David's security is in God, but now he goes on to give reasons why. Firstly, he looks at two sources of alternative security, people's capacity and people's resources. In verse 9, we read of people's capacity. Low-born men are but a breath, the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing Together they are only a breath. 
King David reflects on the fact that your ordinary person is but a breath. Their lives are like a mist that you breathe out on a frosty Canberra morning. (laughs) You see it for a second, and then it's gone. In the great scheme of things, this is what the ordinary person's life is like. It's nothing of substance that can be relied upon. However, David reflects on those of high standing, the wealthy, the powerful. Surely they're better. No. Well, they're worse. They're a lie. There's something that promises much, but when it's seen in its proper light, is a deception. David says that people's capacity, whether ordinary or in some way special, people's capacity cannot be trusted for security, as in the end... We are all like a breath, here one moment and the next gone. David then turns to people's resources in verse 10. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. What if I could get that promotion by throwing my weight around, by being a bully? Or maybe it's simply by playing the game. Playing your cards right at work. Even when you know it's not right. David says this isn't an option. Moreover, he says that though your riches increase, he, he doesn't say how. It could be through honest hard work that you get pay rises, pay rises bonuses, promotions, or maybe it's inheritance. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Setting your heart on money will take our heart away from God. A person is poor indeed if they prize gold more than their God. In finishing the story, David says that the Lord has put on him, he's put him in a situation where he has learnt two things. Please read with me from verse 11 to the end. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Well, why can David say in verse 1, my soul finds rest in God alone? It's because God is strong. It's because he's powerful. We're fools to put our confidence and our trust in something or someone who is weak. We are wise to put our trust where true power is. But consider if absolute power was held by an evil God. This would be utterly terrible. But praise God for verse 12 which says, You, O Lord, are loving What comfort, what pure joy we can have in the knowledge that not only does the Lord have power to save, to provide a refuge during the battle, a sure anchor during the storm, but as he does so, he wields his power with love. As we've been going through the Psalms, we've seen how the story in each psalm has pointed us to Jesus' story. And it's no different in this psalm. 
King David's story in his situation, his strategy, and his security. King David's story ultimately points us to God, who he is, and why he can be trusted. As King David faced a situation of hardship and stress, so did King Jesus. He was no stranger of hardship and isolation. Saying in Luke chapter 9, verse 58, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, has no place to lay his head. We see King Jesus facing the situation of going to the cross on which he would take upon himself the full wrath of God for the sins of you and me, which would ultimately give us access to that eternal rest. And as he approached this awful situation of facing the full wrath of God, we see his strategy, that of trusting in his heavenly Father and pouring out his heart to his heavenly Father. Please read with me Luke chapter 22 from verse 39. It should be on the screen. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching that place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We see King Jesus placing his trust in God the Father and reminding himself of the plan that was to be fulfilled in his death. We see King Jesus facing a situation where he was in anguish and sweating blood, a medical phenomenon where people experiencing incredibly intense stress. And yet he pours out his heart to his Father. And we see that in this situation, in his situation, Jesus could not rely on people, not even his friends, who fell asleep in his hour of need. And Jesus had his best friend deny him three times, deny that he even knew Jesus. And still Jesus finds rest in his heavenly Father. What's our story? We've heard David's story, his situation, his strategy, his security. What's our story? What's your situation? Are you counting down the days for the next holiday? That pay rise? Some time with loved ones? Going for a bike ride? That comfy place with a nice cup of tea and a good book? While all these things are good and given by God for us to enjoy, if that is where we are looking for rest, we will never find rest. Yeah, it will give you a break. Yeah, it might clear your head. It might give you that pick-me-up that you need to get through your day or through your week. 
that that's not the stillness in God that comes with true rest in Him and seeing this life and eternity with His perspective. This is the rest that I need. Let's be honest with ourselves. Most, if not all of us, are seeking rest in places other than in God. Or if we have God in the picture, He's there, but so are, so are one or two other things that we're dabbling in, just to see if they might give us rest too. This psalm redefines our assumptions about what rest is. Rest is not dependent on us being in a situation with no stress or worry. In fact, this psalm says that rest is found where there is stress and worry. Some of us feel like we're a long way from rest. We might, have been, we might be in a really, really dark time. This might be you. All seems lost. You've lost something incredibly dear to you. Stress is overwhelming you. You feel like giving up. I've been there. I've felt that pain. What is your strategy in coping with life's stress? What do you need to do? What do I need to do? The last line of Psalm 62 says, Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. The most important thing is knowing who God is and that he can be trusted. So that we might turn our trust from ourselves and what we might do to him and what he has done. I want to leave us with three things of what it looks like to rest in God alone. Number one, trust in God alone. Not in anything apart from God. Only God. Trust in God alone. Number two, pour out your hearts to Him. I don't know when the last time you cried every part of your heart out to God. Maybe you've never done it. You might have been a Christian for many years and never done it. Maybe today is the day to start. Maybe it needs to start with acknowledging that you are trusting in something other than Him. Number two, we need to pour out our hearts to God. And number three, encourage each other to see the power and love of God. David did self-talk to remind himself of the love and power of God, which was his security in his time of need. But David also encouraged God's people. Just as we have learned from David's story, we need to learn from those among us who through hardship 
no rest in God. We need to encourage each other to see the power and love of God. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest. 